podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on before we get into the show? A shout out to my bookie. Guys, there is a great Monday night football game tonight. Tonight, it is an AFC East matchup between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Even if it's not Monday night football, you can bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. And if you use promo code SPORTSDRINK, you're setting yourself up for success because they're going to double that deposit up to $1,000. That's right, using promo code SPORTSDRINK, they will double your deposit for all new members. So get over there today, use the promo code, bet on that Monday night football game, bet on some college basketball, and bet on some bowl games. It is the best time of the year to be over at mybookie.ag. Remember, 100% deposit match up to $1,000 if you use promo code SPORTSDRINK. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a Grant's checking it twice They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice Basketballs are coming to town Basketballs are coming to town Basketballs are coming to town Boom, the boys are back, and my goodness, am I hyped. I uh, This is Scott Wildcat going at it solo. Grant, um, unable to record this weekend, so, you know, pulling pulling some big-time duty. Um, as you guys will hear, the second segment, I recorded that on Saturday. Uh, just got home, back, well, actually not home. I'm in Topeka after driving back from that big, 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 big cat's victory over the Wichita Shockers. Before I talk about that, shout out to our sponsor, Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Symbol, use promo code BOYS for a risk-free deposit up to $500. You guys are smart. You smell good. So take that sports knowledge and get paid on Symbol. You invest in your favorite teams, just like the stock market. When your teams win, you get a cash payout. And when they go through the moon, you buy low and sell high. So get over to Symbol today, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com, promo code boys. All right, uh, the, the the big thing, the big thing, and, and I'll touch on the K-State Bowl game uh, in this segment. I did a little bit of offensive coordinator and portal talk uh, in the second segment. But, I mean, massive game. Massive game. Um, as long as we've had this podcasting for a really long time, I've been a big proponent on not playing Wichita State. I didn't want to play them. Uh, I, I still don't even like this series. Two in Wichita. This one was an interest. Uh, one in Kansas City. One in Manhattan. Don't really like it. 
but you know, it is what it is. I drove down there, uh, went to a couple breweries, was around the arena before the buildup. And going into this week, I, I really wanted this game. You know, I talk a lot of shit on Wichita State, on the pod, on Twitter. I really wanted this win. But man, being down there surrounded by Wichita State fans who really did have this very weird energy for them. I, I, I think the best way to compare them is similar to Iowa State fans, but it's a commuter school. And they thought they were going to walk through this game. They thought they were going to win. They thought it was a party. They were kind of trash talking before the game. Oh, you dodged us, you know, for 18 years, and now you're going to get what's yours. And I just kind of laughed it off. You know, I didn't, I didn't talk a lot of smack except for there were two specific Wichita State fans inside, inside the arena that I, you know, got in their ear a bit. But I didn't really do much talking before the game. But it, it just really started building it up. And once I got in the arena, I kind of like felt this like nervous energy, you know. It's a rivalry game in the state. It's a game that you needed to win uh, for the sake of this tournament for your postseason hopes. And it was just this game that I, I, I think had a little bit of elevated meaning. And the elevated meaning basically was you were playing the villain. This was the biggest Wichita State you know, regular season sporting event in over a decade. This is a game that they've been waiting for, a regular season game. I'm not going to try to say it's more important than any of their postseason games, but they don't play football. This was the game that they've been waiting for for over a decade. K-St. KU have not played them in the regular season, and it was in Wichita. They were waiting for this for so long, and we were we, we came in and got to play villain. And that's a role that I, as a fan, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed. Um, so you, you get into the arena, and it, it honestly was a super fun atmosphere if you can embrace being the villain. You know, I wasn't sitting amongst a lot of K-State fans. I, th- You know, I think the arena was probably 95% sold through, and about 2%, you know, about 2,000 uh, K-State fans were in the building. Not 2%, about 20%. That's, at least that's my estimate. I, I thought it was like an 80-20 crowd. And it, it was a lot of fun. It, it's Being the away fan is a lot of fun. And when you're the away fan that's a villain, especially if you come out on top, it is a lot of fun. And I had an absolute blast. Now, you get into the game. You get in your seat. You're watching some warm-ups. I got in there about 35, 40 minutes before. And then instantly you start looking for players. And you didn't see Nigel Pack. And I think the fact that you do this without Nigel Pack is massive. Um, I didn't listen to any of the post game. I literally got to my parents' house in Topeka and hit record. So I didn't really do a lot of research into if Bruce said anything. I'm of the opinion, or of I, at least I've been told it was an injury to Pack. They're hoping to get him for Wednesday, Rich Marquette, but he wasn't. He wasn't in the building. So you instantly don't start feeling great about that. And you still find a way to win. You find a way to win in a away environment, and that's massive. And I'm not someone who's going to come on here on this podcast or beat my chest and say, you know, it's time to back Bruce. It's time to back the boys. Buy in. You know, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell folks what to do. Everyone has to make their own individual 
decisions on how they're going to cheer for, support, root for K-State basketball. And if you're someone who is burn it down, whatever, that's your own prerogative. But this team is so much fun. They got that win. And I would say, look, if, if you're not a burn it down person, if you're someone who is going to try to enjoy this season and cheer them on, if you have the opportunity, get to Bramlage on Wednesday, 8 p.m. versus Marquette. Horrible time for out-of-town folks. You know, that is not a game I'm going to be able to make it to as someone who lives in Kansas City. But the students, so the students who are listening to this, get your buddies, get in Bramlage. Because, again, this team just got a massive win playing the villain without their best player, without 16 points. You know, you, you did that without Nigel Pack, and that's awesome. So, um, there, were, there was a lot of good, but there is a lot of bad. Uh, just a lot of head-scratching and just confusion as to why we started the first half, the game, and the second half so poorly. Um, you know, if you get rid of the first you know, four minutes of each half, that's a blowout for the Cats. Not even close. So I don't know why you decided to go, you know, so cold to start the game. That was frustrating. Then there were some individual performances that were very frustrating. You know, you, you look at the box score. You look at, you know, Mike McGurl played 32 minutes, 3 of 11 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3 point. You know, he turned the ball over only once, so that was good. But Ish Masood, 23 minutes, 1 of 7 from the field. You know, Marquise Noel made some big plays, but 4 of 15 from the field. Salton Miguel, a lot of big plays, 4 of 11 from the field. Davion Bradford is not in shape, and that sucks because this was a game he could have dominated. He could have dominated this game. But he's, he is not in shape. The, the guy, uh, it's frustrating. It, it sucks because the guy was so good at points last season. And seemingly his bout with pneumonia set him back a ton. And, that's, and that hurts. Because for this team to be the best version of itself, it needs Davion Bradford cooking. Now, the good, good individual performances. Casey Eziagu, Big Easy, had a career game. You know, he went 5 of 6 from the field. He had 14 points. I think 9 of them happened in the first half. You know, he got 6 rebounds. He played great. He played great. Luke the Soup Kasupki, 17 minutes, 3 of 5 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3. Played good defense. That's what you like to see. Also, the big thing that this team had a big worry about, only had seven turnovers. Now, you only shot 34% from the field, 24 from three-point, and 68% from the free-throw line. And those free-throws late really, really made things a little bit more interesting, you know. You hit your free-throws, my cats by nine prediction come true. Uh but, you know, you didn't turn the ball over, and that's great. You also held Wichita State to only 35% free throw shooting. You turned them over 14 times. That was great. You you held their stud, Etienne, 4 for 20. 20% from the field. 
he only hit one of his 11 three-pointers. You played great defense. And here's the other thing. Even when we were cold to start both halves, we were getting good shots. They just weren't dropping. Wichita State, whenever they went on runs, they were hitting junk. They were hitting junk. We played great defense. This was just vintage, good Bruce Weber defense. You know, I I was dumping on Mark Smith a little bit. But, you know, he ended up with seven rebounds. Three steals. You know, he... He played great on defense. And that was the type of performance you needed. Selton Miguel, great on defense. Luke Kasuki, great on defense. Mike McGurl, solid on defense. Mike did end up with 10 points. Went 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Marquise Noel, you know, again, only going 4 of 15 from the field. You don't like that. But 6 of 6 from the free throw line. He hit the big ones when you needed them to. Selton Miguel grabbed three offensive rebounds, six total, three total assists. Marquise Noel, four assists. Mike McGurl, four assists. Only 11 assists on your 21 field goal makes. You want to see that improve, yes. But again, you did all this without your best player, without a guy who's averaging 16 points. And you did it with, with Bradford not really giving you much. Also, I want to give a little bit of love to Logan Landers. He only played three minutes, but he battled hard. He got an offensive rebound. He, he I, He's going to be an energy guy. I don't think he's ever going to have a conference game this year where he's scoring like six or seven points. But he was out there. He battled hard. And that, that's what you like to see. I, I Again, I, I was critical of a few of the guys, but I don't think you can question how hard these guys played and how much they wanted it. Seeing these guys celebrate and enjoy themselves playing basketball the way they did was amazing. Seeing their reaction when we got, you know, the easy dunks and then, you know, the, the dunks late in that game when we cashed it out, you could tell that they wanted this game. And, and I think at times during, you know, last year and the year before, more so the year before, you know, the 2019-2020 collapse, they just weren't playing with any emotion. This team has the emotion. They have the fight. They have that kind of dog mentality, that road dog mentality. The They like the us against the world. They like playing the villains. And I think that's why they found a way to come out and win. And they fed off the energy in that stadium. You know, they're hyping up the corner of K-State fans, but they're also kind of egging on the student section. They, they, they embraced that role. And I think that's going to serve them well once we get to Big 12 play. Now, again, how many games are you going to be able to win by six, shooting 34% from the field, 24 from three, and 68 from free throw line? Probably not a lot. Probably not a lot. Because, again, while the defense was good, is it going to be able to replicate that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But what I do know is that this is a team that is starting to believe in themselves. Would it have been nice to grab one in Kansas City? Yes. If you grab one in Kansas City, I mean, this team might be ranked. Um, You know, it's going to be a tough Big 12 season. Coming into the week, we are Ken Palm 80. We are the worst in the Big 12, you know. It's it's not going to be easy. But they're showing that they have fight. They have the ability. And again, they grabbed this win in a road environment without... 
Nigel Pack, your best player. So I couldn't be more over the moon. I couldn't be happier about the game. Still just buzzing from that atmosphere and be able to being able to get that win. I, I think it says quite a bit about, you know, oh, you know, the jokes have been, oh, Wichita State, best team in the state or second best team in the state, all this type of jazz. But at the end of the day, look, scoreboard talks. We got that win in Wichita, shut down their best player. We didn't have our own. And I think that has to give K-State fans a little bit of swagger. You know, it has to give you a little bit of confidence. I, I think you got to take that, have fun. Dunk on random Wichita State fans on Twitter. Have fun. That was such a fun game. And, and it still bothers me that there's a segment of the fan base that was not enjoying that, was not rooting for that. But again, that you have to do what you have to do, that's fine. But that was a ball. I, I think that was probably the most fun I've had at a basketball game in a really, really long time. And I know I'm instantly, I'm going to look to see, hey, can I make that trip up to Lincoln here in a couple weeks happen? I'm starting to look at the weekend schedules at Bramlage and trying to figure out when I can get into Bramlage because this team is fun. I have fun watching this team, yes. The, the threes don't go down sometimes, and sometimes the offense is a little tough. But they play with emotion. They play great defense, and they give it their all. And I'm going to give them my all as a fan. So that's really about all I have. I mean, you know, I, I'm still running on pure adrenaline. I, I, I barely have a voice right now, and I, I had a lot of fun. So I, this hasn't been the most poetic. It hasn't probably been the best way to review a basketball game in the world. But, you know, you play with swagger, and this team has swagger, and I had a lot of fun. Um, before we get into that second segment that is more football, um, I recorded that before knew what bowl game we were going to. We got the Texas Bowl um, versus LSU. I think that can be a fun game. Um, you're, it's going to be the final time with Skyler. Um, it's, I think on January 4th, it's on Tuesday. It's the only bowl game. It's the only like non-basketball game out there for folks to watch. I think there's some value to that. Um, and again, they have a long buildup. Uh, I, I th- hopefully you, you hope you're going to hear some stuff about some of the young guys. Hopefully some of the young wide receivers, maybe one of the young running backs really step up and you hear some good reports from bowl practice. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's going to be a long wait. You know, we got a month. We basically got a month before that bowl game. So um, it, it'll give that long runway to kind of hear how the players are doing. So, I'm going to be looking forward to that game. I'm not going to be able to go, um, but, but I'll be excited to see Skyler play one more game. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's all I got. Again, uh, I talk a little bit about the offensive coordinator and transfer portal in the second segment. Um, so enjoy that. Um, tweet at me, tweet at Scott Wildcat at Bosco's Boys. How much did you enjoy watching that game? Did that change anything? For, for the folks who are anti Bruce, Bruce out, burn it down. Did watching that game change your opinion at all? Are you buying in at all? Or do you need to see a little more? Interact with me a little bit on Twitter this week and let me know. Uh, and yeah, uh, we'll, we'll throw it back to myself to talk a little uh, offensive coordinator and transfer portal. And yeah, let's interact on Twitter. Love you guys. Talk to you in like 30 seconds.
All right, final segment of the show. I'm recording this out of order, um, just full transparency, recording this Saturday evening because, um, you know, it's, it's a wild week of K-State sporting news. So what I wanted to touch on here in this final final segment is, of course, you know, some transfer portal stuff and the news of K-State moving on from Courtney Messingham and Jason Ray. So we'll start off with Jason Ray because I think that is the easiest route. I th- I, there's some stuff I want to talk about with Mess uh, that some folks might like, some folks might not. But I, I think Jason Ray was the easy one. There were rumors that Coach Kleiman wanted to make the move last offseason, but the athletic department between COVID stuff, restructuring of contracts, he wasn't able to make that move. I think everyone saw the writing on the wall when you saw him take the, uh, I, I would call it a demotion from wide receiver coach down to tight end coach. He wasn't really doing enough on the recruiting trail. His position groups were never that great. And I think there might have been just a lot of angst surrounding Jason Ray ever since he came to Manhattan. Uh, He had a very classy tweet on his way out. Um, I'm not going to wish ill upon him moving forward in his career, but I think that was just an easy one to kind of move on from. I I think he is going to be very easy to replace because at the end of the day, he wasn't giving you much in development. He wasn't giving you much on the recruiting trail. And I think that all you have to do is find someone who is going to uh, make some sort of an impact on the recruiting trail. And it's going to be an update. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about replacing that. I, I think the name to keep an eye on is actually going to be an in-house guy, Brian Lee Pack. So I think he's already been promoted to technically being an on-field coach so he can be on the road recruiting. He's currently a offensive quality control analyst and assistant director of recruiting. And he's a guy who has been around recruiting roles in the past. He's been all over the place. He's been at uh, where? He's been at Jackson uh, State. He's been at Oklahoma. He was on an Oklahoma you know, conference championship team. Um, he has been to Indiana. He's been all across the, the college football world. And I think it's time to see what he does. He's been one of those analysts, someone who has been mentioned by recruits. He's a guy who has made contact. I think if that is going to be the move, I think that is going to be a decent in-house thing. I understand the desire to want to go out, find a recruiting assassin, plug and place and go. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't want that, but if you look at the realities and the constraints when you look at the K-State football budget, I, I just don't think that is realistic. I think you're going to get Brian. It's going to be his first FBS on-field coaching role. I think you're going to be able to get him around that price, probably a little bit less of what you're pl- paying uh, Jason Ray, which was around $300,000 one of the lowest paid power five assistant coaches. And I think you're going to replicate it. But the difference is Brian, I think, has the potential to be a very good recruiter. And he's done work on the analyst side when you talk about tight ends and fullbacks. So I think that could be a natural fit. 
Now let's get to the Coach Courtney Messingham stuff. The last show, the last Monday show, the last full show we had, Grant and I talked about the possibility of moving on from him. Um, I think ultimately it was a move that had to be done. I think the offense was at a place where the players wanted, demanded, and needed a new voice, a different leader. They needed to move on from stuff. Uh, I And again, if that was the case, then it was time. There's, there's no defending it. I, I was on Twitter, and I've even said it on this show, you know, if you look at the advanced analytics he was a average to slightly above average offensive coordinator i understand the desire and the want and the need to be better than that i'm not telling folks to not to want better than messingham but at the end of the day if you look at the names that are being connected to it you're not going to be getting better track record when it comes to offenses you're not going to now Does that mean they're going to be worse at K-State? No, it doesn't. It does not mean that they will be worse. But at the end of the day, people wanted to make a change for change's sake. Fans did. You know, if I saw, you know, one, I saw a hundred, anyone but Messingham type tweets. Now, you guys are going to get that. And I, I have a feeling that it'll be a swing the other direction. Now... I think whoever comes in is going to be running a similar type of system. I don't think Coach Kleiman is at the point where he is going to abandon this type of offense. And I don't think you're going to see pace increase that much. I think it's still going to be slow. I think it's still going to be the same style. It's just going to be a different man calling the plays. Now, as long as that person can get the team to buy in, they have the confidence, I think you can see an offensive improvement. But do not look to stats to try to validate getting rid of Courtney Messingham. Courtney Messingham at K-State was, you know, a slightly below average offensive coordinator when he didn't have Skylar Thompson and he was slightly above average with Skylar Thompson. Tim Polsek is the guy who is, I'm hearing the most buzz about. He has coached everything under the moon. He's coached almost every single position group in college football. He's currently the quarterback's coach at Wyoming and their offensive coordinator. He was the offensive line coach at Iowa. Before that, he was the offensive coordinator running back coach at North Dakota State. Before that, the tight end fullback coach at Northern Illinois and North Dakota State. He's also coached running backs, you know, at a couple spots. So he he played quarterback in college and people are going to look at the Wyoming defense and see that you know in the F F plus advanced analytics offensive ratings he was 90 now that's not great we were a lot better under coach Messingham but you do have to remember what he has working what he has uh, the ingredients at Wyoming but also keep in mind since Craig Bull has been at Wyoming this has been their best offense now it wasn't a good offense by any means not trying to say that at all but it was the best one he does have a reputation of being a very good recruiter. And he has recruited in the Midwest and Kansas quite a bit. So I think if it ends up being Tim, Tim Polsek, I, I'm, I know I'm butchering the last name and I'm sorry for that. If it ends up being him, you're going to be getting a maybe the best recruiter on the offensive side of the ball. It'd be him or Connor Riley. 
So if you are trading out those two, Ray and Mess, for Lee Pack and Polisek, you're getting better recruiters. And that might just in that be enough to help K-State take that next step on offense. Uh, but at the end of the day, everything you're hearing is a change had to be made. And I think it needs to be encouraging that Coach Kleiman fired someone who, quite frankly, was one of his best friends going back to elementary school. I don't think you need to have the worry that you had with Bill Snyder where it was you didn't move on from coaches when it was time. He knew he had to make a change because he listened to the players, he took a temperature check, and he made the tough decision. And I think that is encouraging when it comes to Coach Kleiman. So keep an eye out. Again, there's going to be talk of Matt Wells and Coach Klein, or Klein, Colin Klein is going to be the offensive coordinator in the bowl game. And a lot of folks are saying, all right, that might be an audition. I'm not willing to go there. I don't think Colin Klein has been very good. I would, personally, if you made me predict, I would bet that he might be the next guy out. I think he might be looking to make a move for his own career. And I think K-State would be fine getting a new quarterbacks coach in as well. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, if if he clown suits, you know, I, I don't know what bowl we're in as we're recruiting the, or while I'm recording this. That will come out uh, on Sunday. Like I said, I'm recording this part on Saturday. Uh, you know, if he ends up having a master class calling games, I mean, maybe the momentum is there for, for Colin Klein to be the next OC. I would imagine the hire gets made before the bowl game. You know, we're going to have roughly 20 to 30 days in between – this recording and I, I have a hard time seeing the offensive coordinator job sitting unfilled that long, but we'll see. Um, I think the players like Colin Klein for the most part. Um, I just think he's struggled to develop a quarterback behind Skylar Thompson, which ultimately I think has a bigger part of this than Courtney Messingham. So uh, as the search goes on, as we hear names, we'll bring them up. Uh, we'll talk about it uh, maybe in the Spotify green room live show on Wednesday. We're going live Wednesday after the K-State Marquette game at 8 o'clock. Now, since the game is so late, maybe if there is some football breaking news, we will do two live shows and we will get an extra one in to talk football uh, before the game. Maybe we will. I Actually, let's plan on doing that. Let's plan on going live at 7 p.m. on Wednesday and immediately after, immediately after the K-State Marquette game. We'll talk football, we'll talk recruiting, we'll talk uh, the end of the Messingham era, we'll talk transfer for portal, which is where I'm going to go next. Um, first and foremost, as I'm recording this, I'm hearing that Adrian Martinez is going to commit to K-State and he is going to transfer in and play quarterback for K-State next year. Um, it's not official as of time of recording. I would imagine it becomes official by the time you guys are listening to this. Um, And that's going to be a mixed bag. Uh, Adrian Martinez is the all-time leader in total offense for Nebraska, which is wild to say, especially since they had so many option quarterbacks. But he's a guy who started for four years. Um, His EPA was 20 points better than Skylar Thompson's this year. I think that if he wasn't coming from Nebraska and he had some more wins under his belt, I think that this would be universally celebrated as a great move. Now, he doesn't have a lot of wins under his belt, and he has a lot of turnovers. But you got to keep in mind, this guy was pressured and hit on 45% of his dropbacks for passes. 
Nebraska had the worst offensive line in Power 5 football, and he is going to be behind a much better offensive line at K-State. My biggest worry is he is having shoulder surgery, or he already did, and he's going to miss spring ball. That bothers me quite a bit. I wanted a quarterback in for spring ball. I wanted him to be able to get on the same page with his skill players. That's not going to happen now. So that's disappointing, but I don't know. I, I, I would have really liked to get a guy in for spring ball, but I always thought that due to the connection with some of the players on the team, with his girlfriend being the leading scorer on the soccer team, I always thought that, okay, you're not going to do worse than Adrian Martinez to be your next quarterback. And I think that's going to be who it is, and I'm going to back him completely. And the guy has electric plays. Now, if you can stop him from turning the ball over, I think he's going to lead us to having a very fun offensive year next year. I think, But I think at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of celebrating and a lot of hair pulling with him. And I think that's just who he is as a quarterback. I do think, though, he will be able to lead us to a bowl game. I think we can get to 7-8 wins next year with him at the quarterback, which... I don't know. I, I would take I would take seven or eight wins right now if you ask me. Now, the final thing I'll touch on is some of the, uh, you know, outgoing transfers. Um, and th- this sucks. The, the one guy, not the one, actually, yeah, probably the, the transfer that hurts the most is T. Denson leaving. He was a cornerback, and he was our number three corner cornerback, and he is from Georgia. I loved him. He was one of my favorite recruits, and it hurts to see him go. But I think this is just, as much as I hate it, I hate the transfer portal, but this is the new normal. Anytime a guy isn't starting, you have to be prepared to see it. So that really hurts. It really sucks. Another thing that really sucks is Tyrone Howell in the portal. Uh, you know, I, it makes sense. It makes sense that wide receiver, you know, he got to the power five level. He didn't get as many targets, didn't get as many plays. Again, not starting. I, I think this is always going to be a tough offense to keep wide receivers happy. And I don't think he's going to be the last receiver who leaves. Um, I don't. I don't think he is. Uh, and it sucks, but... It, you know, like I said, that's just kind of the new nature of the beast. And then the final kind of major one that we'll touch on is Jarkardia Wright. Um, he had that great game versus Iowa State as a true freshman, and then just didn't, just didn't make it happen um, at any point this year. Had the costly fumble versus Oklahoma. Didn't really get many touches after that. We already saw Joe Irvin going to the portal. There might even be another running back still to go in the portal after this, which, you know, again, behind Deuce Vaughn in an offense that doesn't run a lot of plays, it makes sense when you have an All-American uh, do that type of stuff that you might lose him. So uh, it, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Um, but that's just the new life of the portal. Again, we'll probably touch on that Wednesday during the live show, 7 p.m. And again, we'll go live after the uh the K-State basketball game versus Marquette as well. Uh, One final thing, and I'll touch on, and I probably should have led with this, because uh, a lot of good stuff. We had a handful of first-team all Big 12 members 
Cooper Beebe at tackle. You had Malik Knowles was the all, first team All Big Twelve returner. You had Felix Andike Uzama, who also was the Big Twelve defensive lineman of the year. Then you had Russ Yeast being a first team All Safety. All of these guys deserved it, and I think you look at if you look at Russ Yeast, that's something you can sell to dudes. Hey, come come to the through the portal, play for us for a year. First team All Big Twelve, improve your NFL draft stock. You look at Cooper Beebe and Felix and DK Uzama, Kansas City kids who are lightly recruit. Actually, Cooper was a pretty heavily recruited guy, but two Kansas City kids, young in their careers, they're sophomores. First team All Big Twelve, and there's nothing that needs to be said about our pedigree finding returners. Now, this is where I get frustrated. You had Deuce Vaughn and Jax Deneen, both being second team. The fact that both these guys are not first team made my blood boil. Deuce Vaughn had more yards per touch than anyone, any running back in the Big 12, had more touchdowns per touch than the running backs that got first team over him. It was just super, super frustrating. I, I, I was... When I saw that, I was livid. Everyone knows how big of a Jacksonine fan I am. He was great blocking this year. And again, I if you maybe get him in the end zone a couple times, maybe he's going to maybe he's going to uh, get first team. Hopefully both those guys get those honors next year. Um, Reggie Stubblefield, Noah Johnson, uh, a handful of guys who got honorable mention. Uh, I don't have the full honorable mention list in front of me, but two guys that didn't get honorable mention that, again, massive snubs, Echo Boydo and Daniel Green. Two complete studs on the defense, not getting any respect at all. So I'm hoping those guys take that, put a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and move on and uh, get ready to roll after that. So that's all we got for this show. Again, at the top of the show, touched on you know the bowl game and that big game versus Wichita State. Remember, we're going live at 7 p.m. for a little bit of football talk before the Marquette game, and then we'll go live immediately after the Marquette game as well. Spotify Green Room. Check out Symbol, Invest in Sports, and MyBookie.ag. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Mama's holding down the kitchen, daddy won't stop bragging about how we cut us down a big one, perfect size, ten foot high. And we drug it through the front door and wrapped it up with lights. That Christmas tree ain't the only thing getting lit this year. There's old camp in the eggnog and that fridge is full of cheers. right here that christmas tree ain't the only thing getting lit this year all paws in the pantry sneaking something from a flask hey. hitting and he's nodding off again and we can't help but laugh cause cousin eddie's in from denver brought some homegrown mistletoe if that's any indication how this holiday's a go that christmas tree Old camp in the eggnog and that fridge is full of cheers.
Podcast Network.